Marines and Hebrews Acting out there on the silver screen I'll Come grab a seat, popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. Uh, Noel T. Manning II here, and my lips are a little dry, so I want to use a little bit of chapstick here. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, yeah, there we go. No, yeah, this is a generic chapstick. Um, it, it's, I think it's pulled from resources found in Lake Hollyfield, uh, or either, uh, Moss Lake, or it's possible it could be from the Broad River. But, uh, anyway. Lake Houser, perhaps. <laughs> Lake Houser, possibly Lake Houser. But, but ultimately, what, what's gotta happen is everybody's got to take care of, of their lips. Dry lips are not good. So there, there's a, a little bit of public service announcement. Dry lips are not good. There, there's there's the tagline. Uh, Noel T. Manning II here with Thomas Manning. Uh, we do talk cinema right here, uh, courtesy of uh, C19 TV. We appreciate that. And uh, if you get a chance to listen to the radio version, podcast version through WGWG, thanks for doing that too. So, uh, Thomas, dude, a, a ton to talk about. And we may spend most of the time talking about a little thing called Barbenheimer. Uh, it, it's a bit of a, a, a paradox uh, how this July weekend uh, at the movie box office exceeded everybody's expectations. Uh, when you think about summer box office, really as you approach kind of this, the last few weeks of July and into August, it's it's really many times it's some of those throwaway films uh, that you're not expecting to, to really ring in, bring in the money uh, because there's not enough, not as much time. I mean, you think back to the Top Gun film, it brought in so much money, but it launched early, early, early in the summer. But here we have Barbie and Oppenheimer, two completely different types of films that found ways to succeed at the box office defying expectations. Yeah, you mentioned Top Gun Maverick, but that was two months earlier in the summer last year compared to this weekend that we have Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yes. And all of the other films that were supposed to be our big blockbusters for this summer, whether it's you know The Flash or Indiana Jones, or uh, I think there's a couple others out there that I probably just have forgotten about because they didn't <laughs> yes. make much of an impact. But finally, we have this third weekend in July that's actually the fourth biggest box office in box office weekend in cinematic history between the success of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, that, Oppen that just that astounds yeah. me, man. That yeah. really astounds me. That that the fourth biggest ever. Um, I, I'm I'm still blown away by that. Yeah, two films that could not be more different from each other in terms of style, in terms of story, and uh, but I think a consistency between them is they are both driven by auteur directors who are who have continued to build names for themselves. Obviously, Christopher Nolan uh, about twenty twenty five years doing this now. Greta Gerwig is a little bit newer to the scene, uh, only about six years. Uh, she's been behind the camera as a director, but both of them have you know, really you know, firmly rooted themselves as in very important and incredible voices in cinema. And um, I think that was one of the reasons that we've seen the success that we have with both Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's amazing to see that kind of weekend. And I know there was a lot of talk initially about these two films competing against each other for that same weekend, but they're different crowds. But what I found interesting is that those of us who love cinema uh, 
uh, like yourself and, and so many of us that, that we're connected with, they were drawn to both of those. Uh, so that, so from an artistic audience, uh, both of these films um, drew people. I even saw uh, one of our friends who had a T-shirt made that had Barbie on one side and Oppenheimer on the other. And uh, that was pretty, pretty witty. Uh, if I'd been smart enough, I would have created something like that. And I know that you wore your pink when you went to see Barbie. That is correct. I had a nice pink polo button up and, uh, you know, my sister Catherine went to see the movie with her and she was, she was all embarrassed. She was like, Thomas, you know, don't, don't tuck it in like that. You're going to look so goofy. You're going to look so out of place. But then we get there and she was actually the only one not wearing pink. So Catherine, who's, who's looking goofy now? That's, That's all I have to say. <laughs> Who's looking goofy now? Well, there you go, Catherine. I guess he, uh, he he's, he's asking you the question. You got to respond. You got to respond. Well, Thomas, let's dive into reviews uh, of both of these films. And which one do you want to start out with? We can start out with Oppenheimer. Uh, at the point that we're recording this, it's been a week since I saw it, and I'm still processing and stewing on it. Um, and really there were, I guess, four primary adjectives that I walked away with right off the bat. I said that Oppenheimer is staggering, haunting, tragic, and mesmerizing. Um, and the structure of the film is really one of the things that really, uh, stood out to me. Uh, the first hour is more of a biopic, but it's a biopic as only Nolan can do. You're going to have the cross-cutting and the different timelines, the flash-forwards and flashbacks, and uh, that first hour sets up this uh, visual idea with part of the film being shot in black and white, um, and that's a section of the narrative that is a bit further in the future, and then the time that is more in the in the build-up to the atomic bomb that's in you know in color, not black and white. Um, and then the second hour of the film is this scientific procedural as this group of just the brightest minds in the entire world are coming together to develop this you know, scientific achievement. And then the third hour, basically at the second hour, right at the two hour mark is when we have the Trinity test, which we thought the entire film would be building up to. And so when that happens, you think, okay, there's still another hour left this film. We're only two-thirds of the way through it. What are we going to do in this last hour? So that last hour pivots to this political thriller, you know, bureaucratic drama, courtroom drama. Um, So, you know, three films that are all, you know, fit together and pieced together um, into one, you know, massive sweeping epic. That's... Uh, incredibly fascinating to me that uh, a film like this, you know, it is a, a an awards type film, awards caliber film. And, uh, and I've seen so many who have said, you know, just wait for the Oscars to have two films that were released in July. You may be seeing some Oscar nominations, some award nominations through, through for award season for both of these films for different reasons. Uh, Oppenheimer is one that I have been uh, waiting for, uh, for a while and uh, excited to, to be able to see. And it's one of those that if you're a history buff, you're going to be drawn to it without a doubt. Uh, if you're a, a fan of Nolan, you're going to be drawn to it. And if you're just a fan of cinema altogether, I think you'll be drawn to it as well. So it, it, it has a, a an audience. Uh, and this movie exceeded box office expectations by about 30 million, I think. I think it was 
uh, for opening weekend, I think it was anticipated if you get 50 million, they're going to be happy. And it what was 80, I think, and some change. Yeah, that is correct. So the uh, the projections were about 50 million domestic, but it ended up being 82 million domestic in its opening weekend and 180 worldwide, which basically shattered all anticipations. Yeah, it's a film that uh, we will be hearing about in the months to come. You can uh, count on that. I I would be shocked uh, if if this did not roll back around uh, during uh, award season. So you talked about the technical aspects of this from a standout uh, standpoint. Um, One of the things that um, I'm going to say I've had some issues with on some of Nolan's films is the sound mix. And... uh, Dunkirk especially, there were some issues. I was like, okay, I can't even hear the dialogue. Still love the film, uh, but that's that's something that I think we kind of continue to see with some of Nolan's films. Did, is that the case here on this one? Really, that wasn't even something that I thought about watching this movie. And I do remember the first time I saw Tenet, his most recent film, I walked away from that kind of just annoyed at how just how almost violent the sound was i kind of walked away from that with ringing ears and just just really just i had a terrible theatrical experience anyway so maybe that wasn't the best judge of that (laughs) but but with oppenheimer it really was an issue for me whatsoever and i think it did help that i saw the film in an imax theater with really great sound quality um and i have heard a few other complaints from people saying that the dialogue is you know still having some of those nolan issues but for me personally it wasn't even something that i was thinking about until i saw some other tweets and other uh, facebook posts but it's that wasn't really an issue for me okay awesome so uh, any other uh, comments you want to make sure you share about oppenheimer before you offer your uh your rating I uh, just want to talk about the incredible IMAX cinematography from uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, the lenses they used were massive, and just the scope of the frame was really enchanting. From the classroom and the campus to the New Mexico desert to the courtroom, and it's just what they can fit in a frame uh, within a single image um, is just really awe-inspiring. Um, and also have to, uh, give a shout out to the editor, Jennifer Lame, um, with, I mentioned this very unique structure of the film, um, and so many different timelines you're pulling together. Um, and then also we keep seeing glimpses of the same moments from different perspectives and there are unique visual styles to represent each of these perspectives. Um, and just, I, I can't imagine a film uh, later this year being better edited than this one. I think this is going to be the front runner for a lot wow. of those technical categories of the Oscars, including editing, including cinematography. Um, and then of course, got to mention, uh, Killian Murphy. Uh, just, I, it's, it is a truly phenomenal performance. It's his best performance that I've ever seen. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr., his his castmate, said that he's never seen a greater sacrifice by an actor than what Killian Murphy did with Oppenheimer. And um, just the cast in general, we could spend a whole show talking yeah. about the just how stacked uh, this this cast of characters was from as I mentioned, uh, Murphy and Downey Jr. to Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Flores Pugh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, who we know from yeah. Solo. He's, yes. he's getting getting back to the mix of things, and that just made me so happy. Um, and uh, yeah, I could 
honestly, I could spend an hour or two hours <laughs> talking about this whole movie, but uh, yeah. no, we got to we got to move on to Barbie here in a little bit. But Oppenheimer, really, it's a it's a solid A, and um, awesome. It's it's one that I can't wait to check out again. Okay, and I, and I will ask this final question before we go to break and come back and talk Barbie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is is a lot of good buzz out there about him and about what he's uh, done with this particular role. Uh, do you see kind of a best supporting uh, nomination for the various uh, awards um, groups coming out of this for him? Without a doubt, I think, okay. yeah. And especially considering it's been a few years coming off Iron Man and how that took up pretty much his entire career for a decade. Yeah. And we haven't heard from him much since then. And now he's coming back. And I think this is, I think this is going to be a you know great run for him this year. What well, we've heard from him, but not in roles other than Tony Stark. So let's make sure, or not in many well, roles other than Tony Stark. Well, that's what I'm saying. Within the past four years, we haven't heard yeah. much from him at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, the, the movie is Oppenheimer. Uh, it is uh, still in theaters. Uh, see it on the biggest screen possible. Uh, do not watch it on your uh, iPod Nano. Uh, that is something that, uh, you know, we, we probably want to get you to stay away from. You'll miss something. You'll probably miss some something you you probably should have uh, should have seen uh you are watching and spending time with us right here if you're listening to meet me at the movies we appreciate you uh we're going to take a, a quick intermission uh when we come back uh we're going to talk barbie and then we'll see if we have time for anything else and if, if not that's fine but we got to talk barbie so uh stick around we'll be right back after this intermission won't you come and meet me at the Hey, I'm David Allen, back as Armchair Quarterback Host for 2023. I'm Guy Suttle from C19 TV Sports. And I'm Rob Rook from KTCBroadcasting.com. What's in store on the gridiron for 2023? Each week we look at all four Cleveland County High School football teams, Burns, Crest, Kings Mountain, and Shelby. We will look at what happened the week before and look ahead at what's coming up this week. And we'll also discuss ACC, SEC, and Gardner-Webb College Football. And of course, the NFL and those Carolina Panthers. So don't miss another great season of football right here on Armchair Quarterback on C19 TV and online at C19.TV. Hi, I'm Shara Miller, the host of Artworks. Each month we bring to you wonderful, talented artists from here in, in Cleveland County and, and the region. We have artists, we have potters, we have painters, we have musicians, we have actors. We just have wonderful artists that come to you and tell you about all that they're doing, their creativity, what inspires them. Join me here on Artworks each month on C19. You can also watch us online at C19.tv. Hi, I'm Nikki Bliss Carroll, your host for Cleveland Connections, the show that explores what's happening at Cleveland Community College. Join us as we sit down with members of faculty and staff to discuss programs of study, upcoming events, and other exciting campus news. We'll have a new show for you each month on C19 TV, or you can stream us online at C19.tv. Tune in and connect with Cleveland Community College on Cleveland Connections. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch a 
Hello, welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies, Noel T. Manning II, uh, here along with Thomas Manning. And uh, before the break, we talked about uh, part one of the Barbenheimer opening weekend. Uh, we talked about Oppenheimer. So that was actually part two, if you're going to look at it uh, from a phonetic standpoint. So we, 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 we checked out that second part first. So now we're going to talk about, uh, you know, getting pink. And uh, the, the whole world was was uh, enjoying um, some, some pinkalicious activity. Uh, at the theater, it was pretty amazing actually seeing dads uh, take their kids and then seeing uh, brothers take their sisters. Uh, and uh, man, they showed up in droves to see uh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling uh, as uh, Ken and Barbie. That's right. Uh, talking about how this weekend basically shattered all box office expectations. And Barbie definitely lived up to that as well with a $160 million domestic opening weekend, uh, $350 plus million worldwide, um, the largest opening of the year by far, and also the largest opening ever for a female director. Um, and I think that, as you mentioned, a lot of that is just the incredible range of demographics uh, from people coming out to see this. Yeah, that, that's um, incredible to me because this is a film that, looking at it at face value, I remember when uh, they first talked about making this film and then uh, the director attached to it, I said, well, this is an amazing director, but she's not done anything like this. And what is this film going to be like? And uh, when I started seeing the trailers, I realized, okay, this is going to be like something I don't know that I've seen before in, in quite some time. It's not just a, a Barbie world. It, it's got this, uh, this different element. And, um, I, I, I have to, I have to break out my, uh, my, uh, Snyder, uh, save the cat book to, to see what genre this fits in. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen, uh, other films stylistically, uh, from a thematic standpoint that, that look at worlds within worlds or, or worlds outside of worlds. And even this, even this summer, uh, you know, Spider-Verse, Flash, alternate dimensions and, and alternate worlds, uh, that, that tends to be a theme that we've got going on. It's a little different here in Barbie for sure, but uh, give us give us the storyline for those that may not quite get the storyline from, from the trailer. Yes, yeah, so we have our real world that we live in, that you and I live in, and then there is this kind of fantastical dreamscape uh barbie land i guess you call it barbie world <laughs> and uh but that is still the individuals who reside there they are sentient they do have their own lives they are still going through their daily life but their daily life is basically perfect it's completely smooth <laughs> smooth around all the edges they encounter yes. no obstacles no challenges um unless there is some interference from the out outside world and that's kind of what we see happening here that um there is a you know there is a fragile bond between that world and our world and when something happens to disrupt that bond uh well the fate of the universe could possibly <laughs> be at stake yeah which which is crazy because we saw that in spider-verse we also saw that in flash we've seen it in other other things as well um there was a, a film that that uh, that I love, Pleasantville, um, the, from years ago with uh, Toby McGuire, uh, and uh, just a, a phenomenal Reese film. Reese Witherspoon, Withers I believe. Reese Witherspoon yeah. as well. Uh, that's one of those where you're breaking kind of the boundaries uh, between reality and and um, a different alternate reality. Why do you think it is that 
right now that team tends to be a theme we're going back to is you know uh, reaching into other alternate you know what if universes that we think well i think really you just see how many things have shifted in our you know social landscape and our cultural landscape within the past five to ten years um obviously there have been there's been a lot of political turmoil mm -hmm. and then also in 2020 with the way the covid pandemic shifted the yeah. entire world and kind of stopped rotating the world on its axis for a little bit yeah. and i think that's inspired storytellers and filmmakers to explore certain sections of you know what if this thing had happened here or what if this had happened at a different time or what if this had happened like you know just a moment earlier how would that and change the entire world. Um, so I think there could be some connection there. I, I've continued to talk to um, others who have seen this film, um, those that are fans, just movie fans, uh, those that are casual moviegoers, and then also those that are critics. And it's been pretty uh, interesting, almost universal, that uh, people are talking about the messages that, that they have been getting from this film, talk about the messages that that stand out to you. Is that or is that something that stood out to you? Absolutely, without a doubt. So my first reaction from walking away from Barbie, I basically said it felt like there were six different movies in it. That there were so many ideas and so many things that they were trying to explore, and that I maybe liked four out of those six movies. And one of those movies was like my favorite comedy in years. Um, <laughs> but the more I sat with it, the more I realized that I actually loved like all six of these movies that are in wow. Barbie. I loved everything that it did. Um, and that I think more than anything, I'm just glad that a movie that's this, you know, bizarre and beautiful is bringing together so many people and making so much money. And this is great for the industry. This is great for the, you know, future of. Um, you know, artistic filmmakers, and um, and this does explore existentialism. Um, mm -hmm. As Margot Robbie's Barbie, she, dude, as I mentioned, due to some interference from the outside world, in some sense, uh, she begins to question pretty much everything about where she is and who she is, and she has to go on this Wizard of Oz type journey to yeah. put all the pieces together and find her identity because she hasn't really had her identity has just been being perfect being um flawless and going through life without any sort of challenges and now she she has to figure out what it means to be you know a woman what it means to be a barbie and how this and how the barbie has been a reflection of women uh, in culture for um for all these decades and how perhaps there have been some um, there have been some issues with with that reflection, and um, and I just think that's um, that's a really beautiful thing that Greta Gerwig explored that in this film, and I think there's there's a monologue from America Fer Ferrera in this film uh, that's been making the rounds on TikTok and on social media, and um, it's it's the type of monologue that. Um, you will be you will see played for years and years in the future um, just a monologue basically about the experience of women in the world um, and uh, she just delivers this you know two minutes straight of dialogue just pouring out her heart um, you know from the page onto the screen um, so that's um, 
you know, I was sitting next to my sister and, um, I know we were both at that moment, just kind of, we could feel, um, us and pretty much everybody else in the audience almost just feel our breath taken away. Wow. Um, and there are a few other moments like that. Um, where as Margaret Robbie's Barbie, she learns to basically feel the, feel negative emotions for the first time. Uh, she mm -hmm. like sheds her first tears in a moment and yeah. just seeing that entire range of emotion come over Margaret Robbie's face. And, um, there's just so many moments like that that are really just pulled straight from the heart of Greta Gerwig and straight from the heart of, um, I think, the experience of women everywhere in the world. Uh, yeah. And, you know, obviously, as as a man, there's only so much that I can comment on that side of things. Yeah. But I do think um, just that speaks to the power of empathy uh, within storytelling. And as Roger Ebert always said, um, the power of film as empathy machines, machines that generate empathy and give you a glimpse into experiences that you may never be able to experience personally, directly, but movies can give you that chance to walk through that um, in, you know, in a two hour period. Wow. Wow. Well, for a film that, Honestly, uh, when you when you think about just the name of and about and about the subject matter of looking at a plastic doll, if if you look at that, you're like, how do you make that into something meaningful? Well, how how you do it is you attach a director and writer that can go beyond that, and uh, and and Greta um, has continued to to find ways to write stories. Uh, and uh, and direct that speaks to um, the woman, as you mentioned, but also speaks beyond that and um, can can help us to kind of appreciate and understand things in a different different light. And that's how you make that happen. That's how you do it. You you, you find somebody that knows what they're doing uh, and has a story to tell. And uh, this is a movie that um, has told a story that is resonating with audiences across the spectrum. Uh, and it is one that uh, come awards time, you may be finding um, some some nominations coming out of this as well. Uh, Thomas, final thoughts, comments you want to make sure you share about Barbie, um, the, the biggest films uh, of the year. Yeah, well, I got to talk about Ryan Gosling for just a minute. And uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken, Ken really gets an arc that is just as complete, just as rounded and developed as Barbie's arc in this. Um, and it's um, <laughs> probably Ryan Gosling's best comedic performance ever. <laughs> and um, I think his style of comedy just fits perfectly with, you know, what what always um, hits me and uh, always gets a laugh out of me. And um, I, I just, he has to learn that as Ken, he is Knuff. Uh, I'll just say that for you. Awesome. <laughs> there, awesome. There's a great, there's a great sweater that he wears. Um, that I want that sweater. Um, <laughs> I am put it on Knuff. your Christmas list. Yes, yes. Put it on your yes, Christmas list, man. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Barbie is in theaters and it's going to be in there for quite a while. You think this has got some good legs, Thomas? Oh yeah, yeah. This and Oppenheimer, and I think Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning as well. I think they're going to dominate the rest of the summer, and uh, there's not really much competition for them moving forward. Awesome. Well, uh, Thomas, give us your rating for uh, Barbie. 
Uh, solid A for Barbie as well. So both okay. Bar Barbie and Oppenheimer, solid A. It was a great double feature weekend for Thomas. Uh, a solid A for both Oppenheimer and Barbie. We do appreciate everybody taking time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies each week. Uh, however you choose to do that, we do appreciate you. And uh, if you have questions or comments, to email to us. Do that at info at c19.tv. That's info at c19.tv. And until next time, for Thomas Manning uh, and for the entire Meet Me at the Movies crew, I'm Noel T. Manning II, and that's a wrap. Many films to view Until we meet again Next time we see you We'll gladly fill you in We'll tell about the happy and the sad ones We'll talk about the good ones and the bad ones Many films to view Till we meet again